Today's guest has appeared on stage in New York and Los Angeles in both television and film. In 2017, her and childhood friend Jax Collier, who you may remember from our last episode, formed the feminist comedy duo Girl Crush Comedy. Outside of her entertainment career, she's a political organizer, philanthropist, and women's rights activist. Here's my chat with Kaylee Scott. Hi there, Kaylee. I'm so excited to have you on Hearts of Stars today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so I'm so excited to have you on today because I have seen some of the organizations that you're involved with um, and they're amazing. And <laughs> I'm really excited to not only share them what they are, but then to give people the opportunity to get involved if they can. Um, we were talking just before we kind of went on here that the pandemic has allowed people to participate in some of these things virtually now, um, not just giving a donation, but doing some other things, getting a little bit more involved um, virtually. If these are organizations, this is on the Lower East Side. So if you're not in New York, um, a <laughs> little hard to obviously volunteer in person, but there could be other opportunities. So um, so welcome. I'm I'm Thank I'm you. so excited. Okay, so let's talk about this first one that you're involved with, yep. the Lower East Side Girls Club. Um, what's your involvement with them? So I am part of the Lower East Side Girls Club Alliance, which is essentially their associate board. So it's a, a you know a board of directors tends to have the way that functions with nonprofits is they have a certain give get, meaning how much money they are either donating personally or that they are helping raise through friends donating, colleagues, um, you know, employer matches and selling tickets to events when events happen or virtual events. Um, and so the associate board is the young professional version of that, meaning the give get is much lower <laughs> and you're not really overseeing anything as a board would do, but you are helping spread awareness of the organization. And since galas and fundraisers tend to be more expensive and less accessible to a lot of people, though very necessary for fundraising so that the organization can carry out its mission, the Alliance will host lower dollar events um, in order to bring in, you know, younger people, help younger people get involved and just anyone who can spend $25 on a cool like cocktail reception or $45 but maybe isn't going to spend a couple hundred dollars on a seat at a gala. Um, so all those things are very fun and it just helps provide the community more opportunities to get involved that way. And so that's how I'm involved with them. But before I was on the Alliance, I was just someone who appreciated the work that they did and got to be in the space a few times. Um, it's a super cool space. Uh, and so I sort of slowly over time got more and more involved. Right. How did you hear about it? Like, how did you originally hear about, because sometimes we have so many amazing organizations in all states. Yeah. And stuff, Florida, yeah. But Mark's got some amazing things too. And sometimes we, we don't even know that they exist. You know what I mean? So I'm just curious to know what was the connection that you, when you first heard about this club? No. I'm trying to think, I will say, I think the girls club in New York is kind of a known thing, even if you don't know exactly what they do, um, or you've never met anyone who's either benefited from their services or has, or is involved. Um, you just kind of know about the girls club, uh, or a lot of people do. And so I think I, 
it was always something that I was sort of aware existed and I just had never sought out engaging with them um, until I was part of it's a little hard to explain. Maybe not really. It's uh, it's called the Stars CGI Initiative, and it was something from the New York City Council that brought a bunch of organizations that serve girls and non-binary youth, and they do this sort of big day of empowerment every year. Um, and that's the first time through being a part of the planning committee for that that I was like in the girls' club space and actually had an opportunity to physically understand what they do, which is so much. Um, and that's, so there wasn't any like hack to how I found them. <laughs> right. um, it was just gradually and organically over time they, they kept, and I am very involved in causes for girls and women. So um, within that space, I had kind of always heard about them. Nice. Yeah. And on their website, which again, I'm going to have links to all of these things. Um, their website's great too, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have some really cool things for these girls to, to be involved with and things that maybe, yeah. I mean, these are things that they would not probably have access to otherwise. Yeah. Um, so that's what makes this so cool. Um, I have it. I have the, there's so many that I actually have a cheat sheet in front of me because there are, I don't know that I would have been able to remember all of these. No, I will. Um, I will need your cheat sheet because I definitely yeah. can't rattle it off. Yeah. So let's just go through some of it. It's just so yeah. cool. So they have a sewing and design studio. Mm -hmm. um, and the space does look really amazing as it's well. Um, they have incredible. some beautiful pictures online. Um, yeah. They have a maker shop. Or they do a lot of stuff with STEM, um, mm -hmm. which is huge right now. Digital and audio arts, Alphabet City Art School. I mean, this, and they do have a mentoring component yes. as well, which I'm big into everyone having a mentor, no matter who it is. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you're right, you like your college and career prep, which I think, you know, super important media and social justice, which is probably, that would be where I would probably land in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> helping these girls. This, that's like one of my passion things as well. And then healthy bodies and healthy minds. So, you know, making sure, you know, that they're moving, you know, and things like that. So that's, that is amazing. Um, yeah. and I also looked at the, um, just the makeup of like the board and things like that. You have people coming from all over yeah. different. And that's what you need for a successful nonprofit is to make sure you have all those minds in place. You really um, do. Yeah. And especially you can't have a board that um, doesn't, where nobody shares the experiences of the community that you're serving, which happens a lot. Um, well-meaning people, but you end up with um, folks who don't know what it's like to be in, uh, you know, to live in a NYCHA residence, um, which is uh, New York City public housing, and um, and have that experience, like specifically on the Lower East Side or wherever. The Girls Club, it's the Lower East Side Girls Club. That's where it started. It serves across um, all five boroughs. Um, but it is, you know, really community-based. So a lot of the girls that they serve are within the Lower East Side. And so if your board is all white people from Westchester County, which is just north of the city or the Upper West Side, then um, 
how are you connecting to the mission and actually making sure that people have what they need? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't work. Um, and so yeah. just to tell you a little bit, cause I'm, I'm why I'm so interested in the mentoring piece, running a, a teen mom mentoring program here in South Florida. Um, the nonprofit that our mentoring program is under has been around for almost 40 years. And I was actually just, we added, we just added two more board members. Um, and so to kind of see, it makes such a difference when you have yeah. that diversity, um, on a board, because that kind of stuff is what trickles down to all these programs and things like that. Cause you're exactly right. People that haven't walked yeah. in the shoes, haven't lived in those areas, haven't experienced those circumstances, um, that these girls have, have lived. It's hard to know what they need. It's hard to know what right. programs to develop, how, how to communicate with them. Um, even the mentoring piece, you know, it's, we, we train our mentors to kind of know, because a lot of, some of them, some of them were like teen moms themselves. I would imagine that some of right. the mentors in this program may have come from these same communities. Yeah. Right. And then kind of, you know, broke that generational cycle to get out of those situations or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, but it's important. I mean, that's, that's what makes things like this work long-term so that yes. they, you know, they stay around and can continue to be a resource. Yeah. And that people feel like they are actually getting, that the mission is actually being fulfilled, that they're getting what you're like, that if you're part of the program, you're getting what you're supposed to get out of it. And that, um, you know, the board is also listening to the staff because the people doing the day-to-day -day work really need to, are right. the, you know, it's on the ground. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And they're the ones that really know what's going on and are having those daily or weekly, you know, whatever, whatever it is, interactions with the community um, and, and making sure that the board is supporting that, but not trying to overstep in any way and that they understand like what they can bring and sort of offering that, but not shutting down. You know, sometimes you get in situations where boards are so eager to help that they actually kind of get in the way because the staff who really has that one-on-one -on -one connection isn't being heard. Um, but when you have a diverse board like that, then you're able to, and I don't work at the girls club, so I'm not say, I'm not speaking from any sort of experience. I'm just speaking from like my own personal experience overall um, dealing with nonprofits. Um, but yeah, when you have a more diverse board and when you have folks who understand that about like listening to the staff and understanding truly the needs of the community, that's how you can, that's how you really make an impact and can like sustain that impact. And they, and they're the ones that have a pulse in the community. Right. I mean, a lot of yeah. times the, the, the board members and it, and it not, not that it's a bad thing, but they're, you know, they're more in the financial space of, right. you know, getting the money where it needs to be. And then allowing those people, the experts on the feet, on the ground to do what they need to do to make yeah. sure that that part of their community is taken care of. Um, yeah. and that's what makes a great board member. So if there's yes. anyone out there listening, who is a board member, <laughs> That's what makes a yeah. good board member, though, is you listen gotta listen. <laughs> listen to your staff on the ground who's, you know, in yes. you know, deep into these communities and they know what they need. They know. Yeah. They know what they need. Well, that's awesome. So this, yeah. uh, the Lower East Side Girls Club, I'm going to put all their information um, on our website and in the in this podcast notes so that people can find out more about it. It's amazing. Yes. 
And, and if you're super and, cool. and if you're interested in starting something like this in your community, um, when I when I started being involved with the teen on mentoring program, I was the I I didn't start it. It was a pilot program that I took over. So pretty much. I started it. Um, and so I would go out and try and find all these other programs that I wanted it to kind of look like, you know, yeah. get ideas. So this is a great example of yeah. what you can totally transform large numbers, you know, of girls and in these communities to totally change the trajectory of yeah. their life, which oh, I love it. It's a really good model. And the space is just I, like, I can't explain how cool the space is. There's like podcasting studios and there's this one bathroom that looks like you're in outer space. Um, so it's really, really good. And if you're in New York city um, and you want to join the, uh, the Alliance, the associate board, um, you can actually DM me on Instagram. It's Kaylee Scott. And I'm sure you'll link it. Um, and then of course their website there, there's events and that's a great way to get involved too and meet people who both run the organization, who take part in the organization. Um, and then if you're not in New York city, they're still doing stuff virtually and there's a lot of opportunity there too. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> well, this isn't the only organization you're involved with. You actually are involved with many. Um, we are highlighting, we're highlighting a few today. Um, yeah. but the other one I do want to talk about is Covenant House. This is, this is so cool. Um, yeah, I, this is why I love doing this type of podcast because now I get to go on and like kind of see all of these things that I would never <laughs> come in contact with before. Um, so tell us a little bit about what Covenant House is. So Covenant House is an amazing, amazing organization and it is all throughout um, the U.S. and internationally. I think there's, uh, someone will correct me, I'm sure. I think there's around 31 um, Covenant Houses, but uh, that number might be off by a few. And essentially they are uh, they function a little bit as a shelter for young people experiencing homelessness, but really they're so much more than that because they offer, they have special services for teen parents. Um, uh, there's a, a residence, at least in New York City, it's a little different everywhere, but in New York City, it's a separate residence, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if it still is. So those living quarters are a little different and they're very supportive of a parent raising a young child. Um, they make sure that there's healthcare that's accessible. There are counselors on staff. They, um, you know, make sure that education is accessible and that there's career guidance and, you know, resume writing. And so when a child, like when a young person enters Covenant House, sometimes, sometimes they walk in and walk right out. Like, you know, that sometimes it takes a few tries for a young person to arrive at Covenant House and really stick it through. Um, but the real mission is to move them beyond, you know, out of homelessness and into independent living when they're an adult. But while they're there, you know, they're not just, it's not just a place to sleep. And some of the kids, when they go to college, if they don't, some of the young people have homes that they can return to every situation is so different. Um, but for those who really don't have any family connection, some of them will go to college and on like Christmas break from college, 
they can will return back to Covenant House for Christmas break. Um, so it really does become their home and their family. And uh, and there's you know there's open mic nights. They, they make sure that there's fun stuff to do. A little different in the pandemic for sure. And the safety of the young people is obviously like the number one priority. But um, yeah, it's a really cool organization, and the young people are the president of the organization. His name's Kevin Ryan. He's actually, he recently announced his retirement. So um, next year he'll step down. But the thing he always says that I think um, is kind of like the perfect little one-liner for it is that uh, the fact that they're experiencing homelessness is the least interesting thing about the young people there. And I think that that's like the perfect thing, the, um, in a nutshell. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that Covenant House does to raise awareness is they do this thing called a sleep out. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a really interesting concept. And um, I'm going to let you explain it, but it, they really yeah. make it clear that this isn't about pretending to be homeless. This yeah. is something much more powerful than that. So shows, tell us about what it is. And then I would love to hear about your experience participating yeah. in one of these. Um, so sleep out is an evening where you raise awareness. So like you said, you are not pretending to be homeless, but you are, um, you do spend the night uh, experiencing a version of what they might experience. So you go to the Covenant House location and there's, and I'm only, I can, I guess I can only speak from the ones I've done, but I think they're all structured pretty similarly. You go and you hear from some of the young people, um, you do breakout groups with, with some of the young people. And I think that probably varies based on who is doing the sleep out. And then after that, you get a sleeping bag and a box and you go out to, in New York, we do it in the Covenant House parking lot. Um, and you sleep out for the night. So some people actually go to sleep. I can't stay awake all night. (laughs) So, um, I do fall asleep. It's not a good sleep. And that's kind of the point, but some people stay up all night. They also have, it is very, it, it is challenging, of course. And they do have a counselor on hand for the attendees, because I think it, it does bring up, I think, some surprising emotions that people aren't necessarily prepared to handle. Um, So they do have someone on hand if anybody needs to chat. Uh, They also, you can go inside. Like, again, you you aren't pretending to be someone who's experiencing homelessness. So you can go inside if you really need to. They have snacks, they have water, they have a bathroom. Um, And, but yeah, you spend the night for the most part outside. uh, And then the next day you you know, 6 a.m., you like pack up your sleeping bag and you go inside and and we just do a, you know, sort of a circle and sit around and have a reflection on it. Um, and then you go about your day and you really feel the exha- exhaustion like in your body and emotionally. Um, so while you're not pretending to have that experience, you do gain a lot of empathy. Even if you already had empathy, you gain so much more empathy for, um, you know, people, young people who sleep in a park and then get up and go to school the next day um, and how hard that is. Do. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, and I'm so glad you mentioned about what, you know, it's it just, it doesn't turn off when at 6am. I mean, you still yeah. feel the effects of that, those right. things. Um, I see that with the girls in my own program who oftentimes, cause they got pregnant as a teen, they're kicked out of their home. And so they're yeah. couch surfing and they don't have a lot of stability and some are homeless, yeah. um, who sleep in our local parks and, and yeah. being pregnant on top of all of that, you know, is, is tough. So yeah, yeah those, you know, those kinds of, th- it's not just not having a house. I mean, that's a obviously a huge part of it, but that, I mean, yeah. And I, I'm, and that they have a counselor yeah. on site. I yeah. would imagine that people really break down or could break down because that's, yeah. that's an impactful, and that's the point of it for it to be so impactful that yes. you want to then become involved more in the organization right, right. To, yeah. to help raise the funds to, you know, yes. more services and, and, and get these kids, you know, off the streets and, and into yeah. some sort of, you know, independent living facility. So, yeah. Wow. That, and so what's even cooler is that you can create a sleep out in your own community. You can, so, yes. um, so that is so cool. We're going to put, and you have a special sleep out mm-hmm. for a certain person. You want to explain that? Like what, yes. how? Yeah. So there's, I'm actually on the associate board of this organization as well through, I did sleep out for many years actually, before I got, you know, it's that thing where you just get hooked on a mission. Um, but so the associate board, there's a young professional sleep out. Um, you know, there's like a corporate sleep out. There's sleep outs in different communities and you can connect with Covenant House if you need to start one. You can also look, they have a tool on their site. You can look and see if there's one that you can join. Um, so sometimes it's by location, sometimes it's by industry. So the one I do is uh, sleep out stage and screen. It actually started as Broadway sleep out. And then because there's, there is film and television in New York. Um, and Rachel Brosnahan from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is really involved. And she was like, I would love to do it. And I think through, uh, you know, film and television people being so involved as well, they expanded it to stage and screen. So you do have to have certain credits to do it. But um, that's when the Broadway and just entertainment community comes together and raises funds. And it's a super fun evening. I think every, everyone probably has the same experience of bonding in community that we have, but, uh, you know, one year I was so before, and I think probably each one is a little different how this is done. Maybe not. I don't know, (laughs) but we sing lean on me to the young people at lights out. So when we go out to the parking lot to sleep is when uh, the young people, their lights out time. And so as it's happening, we sing Lean On Me. Um, And that's also like a very impactful experience. But one year I was like, man, and again, it's all Broadway people. So this wasn't surprising, but I was like, someone behind me has such a good voice. Um, And I was like, I wonder who it is. I wonder what show it is. And then, but I just figured, well, course someone has a good voice behind me like I'm surrounded by singers um kind of forgot about it and then the next day I was looking through various like you know the sleep out tag on social media and I I think a friend sent it to me and she was like is this the back of your head in Audra McDonald's video from sleep out and I was like that's 
why the person had such a good voice. Um, that that's <laughs> the voice of someone who has six Tonys yeah. and that, but yeah. So I was like, that is my, that is the back of my head. <laughs> yep. There I am. <laughs> there she is. There she is. <laughs> All that red oh. hair. Hard to miss. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's incredible. That must yeah. be a really, a really special evening. Um, and, and just, it makes a huge impact, which is exactly yeah. what that, that event is supposed to do. Um, it raises so, money because, yeah. you know, the, the benefit of that one is people who have pretty large followings on different platforms through, you know, the work that they've done. So they are just able to get the word out so much more. Um, but even in the, in the breakout groups, we do a lot of, uh, you know, creative work. Um, the last one we did in person was 2019. It was supposed to be in person last summer, 2021, but then there was a hurricane. So <laughs> we were virtual again. Um, but in 2019, we did, we, created sort of rhythm poems. It kind of was up to the person, but we essentially worked with a young person in a small group of like four or five performers and a young person. And we created a, a performance piece. So our person did, it was, you know, what I would call like a rhythm poem. It was somewhat spoken word, but there was like a beat and some like percussion underneath because we were like, actually, none of us are singers, so we can actually, please don't make us sing a song. Right. Uh, and she was amazing. And she, I mean, she put together this piece with our support, but it was really her. She wrote it in 10 minutes. Wow. And then we perform it for everyone. And uh, all those kids that night were so, so talented. And they got to work with, you know, um, you know, some of us who they've literally never heard of but then also some people got to work with like Stephanie Block um so wow. that's you know a, a super cool experience and it's so neat to always see them um just to see how talented these young people are and how how many other young people are there out there who just haven't found their way to Covenant House who you know have as much to give as these people so many yeah. um so that's yeah Wonderful. Well, we're going to put links to everything. So Perfect. I invite you to, to click on it um, for those listening that are interested in finding out more about it. I love it. So we're going to shift gears to animals. Yes. Um, horses and elephants. <sighs> I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any better. And I don't she even doesn't. think I told you. So I live in South Florida, but I live in Wellington. Ah, which is oh my like, gosh the equestrian capital of like everywhere. So um, we're deep in horse season right now. So, um, so, so my daughter, um, my daughter is on the autism spectrum okay. and, um, she's, she's nonverbal for the most part. Um, but every night she likes to go for a car ride. I have a, a new Jeep with like we put, well, it's a funny story. I actually got these like lights for my husband for his, he has a Jeep as well, but I knew he wasn't going to like them. So I bought them for him knowing that they would be given to me. Um, yes. And so there are lights that you put like on the floor and it beats to the music. And so we listen to a lot of Disney music. That's um, so, so it's really fun. But anyway, we go on these car rides at night and we drive through the equestrian oh. village basically. And sometimes we get to see horses and, you know, it's just, it's so awesome. So I, I um, I don't, I, I, I don't ride horses. Um, and my daughter is so scared of 
animals, like oh, big animals, because yeah. all the therapy for kids on the spectrum with horses, horse therapy is amazing. But, um, but yeah, that's where I am. So we <laughs> running into polo people all the time. It's so um, funny. I, I, my friend Chloe, I think has definitely played in Wellington. Um, I was thinking about, I'll have, you know, seeing how everything goes like public health wise, but my birthday is in April. And I was like, Hmm, because in 2020, I was supposed to go to Wellington and go oh. take in some polos. I was thinking about doing it this year. Um, wow. We so I might be down there. Um, <laughs> and, you, now you know someone who's right in Wellington. <laughs> my husband amazing. actually works for the village of Wellington. So oh my goodness. works um, with, with the village. So he's, you know, always talking with the mayor and all that. So we're yeah. very involved with our little community right here. Oh, that's um, so cool. But it's lovely. I mean, we love, we love it. And, you know, it's South Florida, but it's not South Florida. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're so West and it kind of very isolated from like, the beach scene, which is, I think when people think right. South Florida, they think palm trees and the beach and all of that. While we are very close and my husband does surf, um, we're, you know, we're pretty much protected. It's like a little back. in. Yeah. 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 But we, we, we love it here. So, so talk about, um, the horse it's horse, horse rescues, right? It's, it is. It's so much. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's, it's definitely horse rescues. There's a few, um, and it's, it's hard to pick one. I would actually say to people find there's probably one near where you live. People don't really, even in New York, people are like, where do you ride? And I'm like, there, there are horses almost everywhere. You can ride not in Manhattan anymore, but like you can ride within the five boroughs of New York city. There are horse rescues just outside the city. Um, so I would encourage people to find a horse rescue nearby. Um, a lot of them focus on either horses that for various reasons um, would be sent to slaughter, which is awful and kind of a whole other, you could have an entire hour about yeah. that specific piece of the horse industry. Um, so, but people should definitely look that up. Um, and then also a lot of times racehorses don't end up, there's sort of no plan for them when they're done from with the track. So a lot of rescues will take in racehorses and rehab them um, because it's that's racing is really hard on their bodies. Um, so, and their, and their little brains and their nervous systems. <laughs> so yeah. they'll rehab them so that they can be great school horses to learn on great trail horses. You know, there's always a second job. Um, and then some rescues, Willie Nelson has, I believe 700 acres in Texas. And those, those horses are just there to be horses. So he has about 70 rescue horses <sighs> And they have 700 acres to just um, be horses on, which is super cool. Um, but I also, it's funny you mentioned therapeutic riding and I'm involved with two therapeutic riding programs, which I think okay. is also, um, and there's such a wide range of therapeutic riding programs. There's programs for survivors of um, domestic violence and sexual abuse, for young people and adults who have developmental or physical disabilities, um, for veterans or anyone who has PTSD, but a lot of programs tend to uh, focus specifically on veterans. So that's another, um, another area. And again, there's the two I do are Gallup NYC and Flying Mains, but most where there are horses, there's probably um, a therapeutic riding program also. Yeah. 
Well, we'll definitely put links to all of those so people can check them out. Um, yeah, I, they're just amazing animals. I mean, they're yeah. looking into the eyes of a horse is just like, Ugh. I know it's just one of those. They see you. They can read you. They can read human emotion. There's a a study a couple years ago that said, I mean, with masks, obviously like that changes how all animals um, can read us. But yeah, if you're, if a horse is looking at you, they've realized sort of like dogs and cats, they can actually uh, kind of pick up on facial indicators of emotion. So they, yeah. it's more like they can feel it if you're on them, like they can right. feel your emotion, but they can also read it on your face. Yeah. Oh, super cool. So incredible. And then you love elephants. I do. I I've do never had an elephant. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm sure they are equally as incredible to be. They are. Of. They um, are. Um, it's so funny. My daughter loves elephants. There is oh. an elephant character in a couple of the episodes of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse um, that Amazing. she enjoys watching. And um, specifically, it is a baby elephant. Um, so while she is nonverbal, she will say baby elephant. Um, so we have lots of stuffed elephants um, around oh, our I house. Love that. But, yeah. But speaking of elephants, I actually. Um, was looking for some gift ideas for people around the holidays. And there is a um, organization called follow Mm -hmm. F A H L O. Um, and I don't know a lot about them, but I was able to just like buy a bracelet. Um, it has an elephant charm on it. I got the elephant and for my friend's kids, I got a sea turtle and a shark, I think, but I got an elephant and then they send you a postcard with the name of the elephant that you basically, Uh, adopt it because you donate funds and then it's called follow because you can follow them so there's an app that you go on and you can kind of watch where I can see where my elephant is I think her name is awesome I can see where she is you know (laughs) whenever during the day so um pretty cool but tell tell us how you're involved with um with that that's Super cool. I'm like making a mental note. <laughs> it'll be in a, it'll be a link. There's going to be a link guys. There's going to be a link. link. So don't worry, Kaylee, you will find it. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'll check that out. Um, so there's a, there's a couple different ones, um, you know, in, in Thailand really is, is, and South Africa or really all throughout various African countries is where they're focused, but obviously that's where elephants live. Um, unless they're, in zoos, which is uh, kind of, it's a little tricky, especially when they're in zoos alone, because they are, one of my favorite things about elephants is they are, they need community, like humans need community. They actually socialize in a very similar way to humans. So an elephant alone is a really sad thing. And as much as they might bond with their human caretakers, they really need Um, other elephants to be in community with. Um, So yeah, I found out about Sheldrick Wildlife Trust a few years back and they, they're amazing. Um, They've been around for a long time and they will, you know, elephants orphaned from the ivory trade, they will take in and raise, but really what they do is these elephants don't live in captivity or that's not the ultimate goal. So they do in their babies and they live on, uh, you know, this piece of land, but there are, um, you know, elephant communities around them. And so really they raise them in order to, the goal is to reintroduce them back into the wild. The goal is never, if they can be, I'm sure, you know, there are cases where that's not what's best for the elephant, 
But whenever it is, the goal is to not have a piece of property with a bunch of domesticated elephants and like a fence. Um, that's not what they do. They're just trying to make sure that elephants continue to exist because of the ivory trade. Elephant numbers have really dropped um, pretty drastically. Um, and they're just so sweet and they're so playful. And um, they like they're fascinated by music. There's a lot of interesting YouTube videos that people, you know, you can just look up. And um, when when the elephant painting is actually, I was just going to bring that up because <laughs> those videos I have seen. So that is a little bit of an interesting thing. Um, I don't know the specifics of it, but animal people who are really into animal advocacy, um, I think that that can actually be a little abusive wow. to the elephant, the way that they train them in order to get them to do that. Um, interesting. I know, I know. Cause at first I saw it and I thought that was so cool. And then I learned more about it and I was like, Oh no, I think that this is something much like elephant rides, like just something to not support. Um, and this is, you know, and this is why I love podcasting because didn't know that. And now Uh, I I personally will investigate that more, but I'm, I want other people to as well, because sometimes, you know, like everything, what you see is not always, you know, you got to kind of dig a little bit deeper. I would have yeah. never have guessed that in a million years that slight, it was even slightly maybe abusive to, yeah. to the animal, but I can see that. I, I always just assumed they picked up a paintbrush and just that's, they yeah, just that's picked it up. And then they knew it just I, did, they, they were do, smart enough right. to know there's a paper <laughs> and here's what I do. And that was yeah. it. <laughs> You know, I, wow. I thought so too, before I came across that information, I was like, oh, how cute they, I thought it was maybe born out of, um, they're very curious. I mean, they're a lot, like I said, they have a lot in common with humans in terms of how they interact with each other and the world and community. Um, so I thought maybe they, it was like a curiosity thing right? and maybe that's how it started. I don't know. And then someone realized that they, this is like a profitable thing. Exactly. I was just like, going to say they sell those buy. things for quite a bit amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. So I think however they train them to get them to do it is from what I've heard problematic. Um, Hmm. I just don't know too much more because the second that I read enough about it, I was like, I actually don't want to know more, but now I know that I am not gonna, like I, I, my heart couldn't handle like reading the specifics, but I was like, yeah. Like, but it's good to know, I mean, and, and, and not just specifically for this, but then just to kind of have that open mind for anything that you kind of run into. Yeah. It's so important just to know exactly. Well, research it a little bit. As I'm sure, you know, there, there are certainly organizations in the autism world that, um, don't advocate that advocate on behalf of rather than advocating with. Right. Um, yes people who have autism. So yeah, you have to do your research and just always make sure that you're like as much as, and something that sometimes things change, like something that seemed like a good thing in 1997. Now we realize like, oh, this isn't actually the way that we should be going about this. And this is actually exactly. Yeah. Okay. Kaylee. So we are going to play a game, a little this or that game. Amazing. And I played it with your good friend, Jax. Um, and I'm going to ask you the same questions. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be rapid fire. Um, I expect it to take no longer than a minute or two. Great. Jax took 10 minutes to answer these questions. 
That sounds right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here, here we go. This or that. So flip-flops or sneakers? Sneakers. Cake or ice cream? Oh no. Oh no. Um, cake. Breakfast or no breakfast? No breakfast. I want to be breakfast. I'm just coffee. I want to be breakfast, but I'm not. Do you ever, do you like breakfast foods? I love breakfast foods. I will go to a diner and order breakfast foods truly any time of the day, but probably not before noon. Like I'm like, give me a stack pancakes at 4 PM. Right. Please. See, that's how I am. I like breakfast foods. It's more of a timing thing for me. I can't eat really early in the morning. I just can't. No. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And the last one, French fries or salad. Huh? I know so much for rapid fire. Uh, oh gosh, that's so hard. It depends. It just depends on the day, probably French fries, unless my body is just crying out for vegetables. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I'll do a salad. Um, but yeah, and if I, if I feel like my body is like, you're absolutely like going to stop working, like, please feed us something green. Yeah. I will do a salad, but yeah, if I'm like out at a restaurant and I'm a vegetarian, but if I'm ordering like an impossible burger and they're like fries or a salad, I'm fries. Fries. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing about all these amazing organizations that you are involved with. Thank you so much for having me. And my DMS are definitely open. If anybody has questions, um, I'm always happy to help try to find something in your area with you or, you know, help you get connected to an organization I'm involved with anytime reach out to me. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. For more information on the organizations Kaylee and I talked about today and where to follow her on social media, you can visit jennifersilliman.com slash hearts of stars podcast slash Kaylee Scott. See you in the next hearts of stars.